Welcome once again to At Home in Your Hymnal. This is Pastor Clint Poppy. Along with me is Pastor Christopher Morundi. We are privileged to be the pastors at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. On our last episode, we began a discussion of the funeral service in Lutheran Service Book. We talked about funerals in general, but then we started looking at the specifics of the funeral service, a very, very well done service in Lutheran Service Book on page 278 and following. But we just didn't have enough time to get through the whole service. We left a lot of things uh, unsaid, and uh, Pastor Morundi, even though he's a uh, short-timer here at Good Shepherd, getting ready to go back to Fort Wayne to work on his Ph.D., we're very, uh, very proud of uh, him in that respect. Uh, Very sad to see him go, but I was able to snag him to uh, complete what we began on our last program, and I'm thankful for that, and... uh, you know, both Pastor Morundi and I have had quite a bit of experience, both good and bad, with dealing with funerals, conducting funerals, the things that come about as people are dealing with grief. And uh, pastors want a funeral service to be a very, very positive experience. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why we're doing this uh, program, because when you're not having the emotions of the loss of a loved one, the details and the plans. Uh, If you can kind of think about these things and think through these things now uh, rather than in a very short window, uh, sometimes things can can be much more positive in that respect. Um, There are a lot of churches that uh, encourage people to jot down notes with regard to their funeral plans, their funeral wishes. Sometimes that's a curse and sometimes that's a blessing. Uh, If you do that, it would probably be a good idea to run that by your pastor. Yeah, sit down with him. Uh, And uh, we've done that here at Good Shepherd. It's been many years ago when we had a uh, Bible study on the theology and practice of a Christian funeral, encourage people to write down some of their thoughts and some of their wishes. As we're working through the funeral service in LSB, we talked about the things that happen oftentimes before the family gets into the church. We talked about the invocation and the remembrance of baptism, how baptism is just like leaking and dripping Mm -hmm. everywhere in the funeral service, and that's by design. We talked about the uh, the readings, and we ended our our last episode talking about the importance of a sermon in a funeral. We talked about uh, some of the content of a funeral sermon, what you should look for, what you should expect out of your pastor. I want to begin our discussion today, Pastor, uh, as we look at the service, the Apostles' Creed is confessed after the readings and before the sermon hymn and the sermon. Mm -hmm. Now, many of our our listeners might be curious Mm -hmm. as to why some services we have the Apostles' Creed, why some services we have the Nicene Creed, why one or two or three times a year we have the Athanasian Creed. Some churches have no creeds. (laughs) Some pastors write their own creeds. Um can can you share a little bit about creeds in general and then specifically 
why we confess the Apostles' Creed in a funeral service. Yeah, well, a creed uh, is a statement of belief. Uh, The Latin word credo means I believe. And so it's simply a statement of what we believe on the basis of the scriptures. So uh, and the great creeds that we use in our worship service, the Apostles Creed, the Nicene Creed, and then occasionally the Athanasian Creed. Those are the three universal or the fancy church word is ecumenical creeds. And the reason they're universal is that anyone who is an Orthodox Christian uh, who ex- is going to believe these creeds. Now, maybe some people who are Orthodox Christians don't know them, uh, but you cannot believe against these creeds and so if, still be so a Christian. If you de- let me just flesh that out yeah. here. So if you deny any one of these three great ecumenical creeds, the Apostles' yeah. Creed, the Nicene Creed, the Athanasian Creed, mm-hmm. you are denying a foundational key part of Christianity, yeah. and you may not be a Christian. Yeah, you, you, are outside, cannot, you, you are declaring yourself to be outside of the Christian okay. faith. So this is serious stuff. It is. It's very serious. And, and that we've brought it into our worship services is meant to be a stamp or seal of approval uh, that what you're hearing here is Orthodox Christianity. That this you are at a Christian church, and uh, churches that omit it or make up their own, they're severing themselves from uh, the wider church. Now, a, are these creeds in the Bible? No. Uh, does the Bible command us to uh, uh, to pray these creeds? No. But the Bible does command us to confess who Jesus is. And this is, these are the testimonies of the ancient church uh, that the church of all times and all ages has held to. The Apostles' Creed is quite ancient and a uh, little bit more ancient than the Nicene Creed, which itself is already pretty darn ancient. And the Athanasian Creed, they're all from that same, uh, you know, 300 to 400 to 500 A.D., um, uh, area of time, third, fourth, fifth century. Yeah. So we're we're talking a lot bigger and older than ourselves. Yes, very much so. A lot older than the Lutheran Church, <laughs> or the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, or Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Much bigger than any of those things. Um, and, and I like to think about the creeds liturgically as its place in the service as. In the funeral service, it's placed after the readings, and so you have the readings from the Word of God, and to confess, in in the Greek language, the Greek word for confession is to say the same thing. And so we hear from God's Word, God speaks to us in His Word, and in the creed, we simply speak back to Him what we believe about this Word of God, about the Scriptures. It also anticipates the sermon. Sometimes it comes after the sermon, sometimes before. If it comes before the sermon, it should be telling you, hey, you be listening to the sermon, and if what the pastor says does not accord with this creed, then we got a problem here. Um, if If it comes after the sermon, then it kind of can do the same thing. It can say, what you just heard, does it conform with this? If so, the creed is kind of the amen to all of this, all of this word of God that you've heard, both read and proclaimed. Um, so liturgically, it functions as kind of the capstone to the word. Okay. Now, I said before that uh, we spent considerable time in our last episode talking about the baptismal connection and the mm-hmm. baptismal reference yep. how the funeral service is literally dripping with baptismal water. Mm-hmm. 
I have heard people refer to the Apostles' Creed as the baptismal creed. Oh, yes, creed. we were going to talk about that. Is that, mm-hmm. is that uh, something, something that is a continuation of this baptismal emphasis and focus in our funeral service? Yes, yeah. We're certainly free, and certainly all the creeds are appropriate to say anytime. I mean, we could say all three of them. Um, at, at every church service. But typically, the Apostles' Creed has been associated with baptism, and because of its simple presentation of the Christian faith, uh, very straightforward, each line gives a different point of doctrine. And uh, in the baptismal rites that have come down to us, at least, it, it the questions and answers given to the candidate before baptism are from this creed. And so while you don't confess it in exactly the same way in a baptism as you do here, um, it's the same words. And so, yeah, the the Apostles' Creed has typically been associated with baptism. The Nicene Creed, because of its kind of fuller confession of the two natures of Christ and uh, of Christ's deity, has often uh, been associated with the Lord's Supper. Now, can we, uh, our divine services in Lutheran service book offer both of them? as options for uh, Lord's Supper. But most churches, at least in our circles, kind of have that, I guess you could say a tradition, I don't know how old it is, of uh, Nicene Creed on Communion Sundays or Communion Services and Apostles' Creed on Non-Communion Services. Okay, now again, with the Apostles' Creed, um, which one of the Apostles wrote the Creed? Mm. Because obviously one of the apostles must have written it, otherwise it wouldn't be titled this, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Well, the the pious tradition and legend, which uh, which really has no basis in certainly not in scripture and certainly not in any any sort of historical evidence, is that um, all twelve disciples got together and each one contributed a line. Well, now that that's really just a, a pious legend. This this creed kind of grew out of the various creeds that were being used. Uh, in the various churches in those early days of Christianity, and then kind of reached its full form not really all that long before the Nicene Creed. And uh, so it's called the Apostles' Creed simply because it is the doctrine of the apostles. The Nicene Creed is named after the church council, which it was uh, which it was approved and codified. And the Athanasian Creed is... Uh, is is named after not necessarily we're not sure if if Saint Athanasius actually wrote it but at the very least it was the doctrine that he uh was the greatest defender of the doctrine of the trinity the uh apo- or the apostles creed being placed right after the readings and before the sermon you know you pointed out that uh, the the sermon better agree with uh, these readings it uh, seems to me that it also serves a different function uh, in addition to everything that you've said, there are a lot of churches, and we talked about this in our last episode, there are a lot of churches that in place of a sermon or in addition to a sermon tend to eulogize the person, mm-hmm. talk about what a great person they were, mm-hmm. and uh, yada, 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 long laundry list of good works. It uh, it appears to me that the Apostles' Creed is a divine eulogy on the person who is being laid to rest because this was the faith that 
he he or she was baptized into. Mm -hmm. This is the faith that he or she confessed during their life. And this is the faith that he or she wants you Mm -hmm. to know and to hear as you say goodbye. What's your, what's your, I can tell by the look on your face, you hadn't thought about that. No, no, that's, that's certainly, certainly very true that, uh, that this, that this creed, um, is, uh, is a statement really you could say um, from the person himself because him or herself because what else do they want to does a faithful Christian want to convey to their loved ones than this was the faith that I believed I think that's a uh, that's a neat way for pastors to talk to their parishioners as well uh, you don't need to worry about a eulogy yeah. uh, because uh, Lutheran service book, page 278 and following, (laughs) has already taken care of that. Uh, Most people, even who are not active Christians, know at least parts of the Apostles' Creed. And as a confession of the faith of the person who is being laid to rest, and as a proclamation of the faith to those who are wavering or may not know, I think it, it serves so many wonderful functions there. And uh, please, please, please do not uh, even think about omitting it or, heaven forbid, writing your own creed as if you had better words than the words that flow from the Lord and find themselves manifest in the Apostles' Creed. We are looking at the funeral service, and when we come back, we're going to look at the prayers of the church in the funeral service. This is At Home in Your Hymnal for Pastor Murundi and Pastor Poppy. Don't change that dial. We'll be right back. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to At Home in Your Hymnal. Pastor Clint Poppy, Pastor Christopher Morundi. We're pastors at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. At Home in Your Hymnal is designed to help you to be at home <laughs> with your hymnal. There we go. Whether you are uh, in church for one of the regular worship services or one of the special services, like we're talking about today, the funeral service, and to be at home in your hymnal at home and to encourage you to have a hymnal at home to use and incorporate it into your family devotions and the funeral service uh, believe it or not can be a marvelous marvelous spot for a family devotion because it is dripping with baptismal language and it helps us prepare for death that's not a bad thing it's not a bad thing uh we uh left off on our previous segment here, Uh, we were talking about the Apostles' Creed and the importance of creeds in general, but especially in the funeral service. In uh, our topic today, or our segment, this particular segment, we want to look at the prayers of the church. And when I I look in my hymnal, Pastor, Mm -hmm. after the sermon, Mm -hmm. it says, Prayer of the Church. And then it says, let us pray to the Lord, our God and Father, who raised Jesus from the dead. That's a little bit different introduction mm-hmm. yeah. to the prayer of the church than we normally hear on Sunday morning. Any any thoughts on that particular introduction? Well, and, and certainly at a funeral, uh, the two big emphases that we're seeing in this service are resurrection and baptism. 
course, the two are connected. Um, the, so the resurrection of Jesus is, is going to be particularly uh, kind of hammered home every opportunity we get. And right here in the introduction, we hit it again. Okay. So right off the bat, our eyes are fixed on the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus. And earlier in the service, we had that remembrance of baptism. Don't you know that if you've been baptized into the death of Christ, you are baptized into his resurrection as well. So we have that free-flowing emphasis that's going on. And so in the hymnal, the specific petitions of the uh, prayer of the church are not listed. They are in the altar book. And what I want to do, Pastor, is I want to read you these individual petitions, Mm -hmm. and then I want to get your commentary and your reaction to them. Now, remember, this is the general prayer, like we have a general prayer every Sunday or every Wednesday, every time we get together. But this is the specific general prayer for a funeral service. The first petition, Almighty God, you have knit your chosen people together into one communion in the mystical body of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Give to your whole church in heaven and on earth your light and your peace. Yeah, the, uh, it always, uh, my my mind uh kind of stops a second when I hear that mystical body of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not a word that we use too often. In fact, it's a word Lutherans, that we kind of, Lutherans do not talk that yeah, way very often, yeah, do we? Yeah, we, uh, we kind of shy away from that. In fact, I think it's in one of our uh, colics as well. So there are a couple times where you run into that term mystical. And I think simply what that, that means is this is a body that uh, is beyond space and time. This is a... Uh, uh, the body of Christ is something that is uh, bigger than us and is bigger than wh- who's gathered there that day. It's bigger than uh, even the, all Christians who happen to be, to be living right now on, uh, on this day here, in, uh, here on our planet. It's, it's a much bigger thing. Uh, the body of Christ is all those living and dead. And so that's maybe where that mystical language comes in. Um, it's interesting how the prayer orients us right away toward the church. We are together. We are together. It's so easy in a funeral, and uh, families who are not in church all the time, or hardly ever, are often guilty of this, of not thinking of the wider church when they do their funeral playing. I had a friend, uh, this was at my vicarage congregation, and uh, a dear, dear member passed away, and the family said, well, we'll do the funeral in the summer. And this was a dear member that was very beloved by the congregation. And and he told me, we were chatting on the phone, he said, I feel like we're robbing the people. Where these people here are grieving and they don't get a funeral. And so he took that next Sunday sermon and essentially made that next Sunday a funeral service uh, for this dear departed member, which I thought was a very, very good pastoral move. Absolutely. uh, To do that. Um, Sometimes families are just thinking about hey, it's my uncle or my grandfather or my dad or my brother, and it's all about us, our family, and they forget that there's a congregation (laughs) here. And this petition makes us look even wider than the congregation, but to the entire uh, Christian church on earth. It it also helps reinforce the fact that this is not a service that is only about the individual who died. Uh, So often when we have... 
um, well, this was his favorite song, and this was her favorite Bible passage, and uh, I want to stand up and tell some of my favorite stories about him mm-hmm. or her. Um, we we lose sight of the of the bigger picture mm-hmm. of the big church, and it shouldn't surprise us as people are less and less connected yep. to the church corporate. Yep, as people. Uh, look at church as kind of an occasional thing if I've got nothing else to do, it shouldn't surprise us that when it comes time for a funeral that people are not thinking about the corporate body of the church. And if we're going to be honest here, sometimes the church uh, and the members of the church don't always do as good a job as we can in reaching out and making that community of church mm-hmm. as clearly evident as it could be or as it should yep. be. Um, if we keep this up, we'll have to yeah, have yeah, another, we, we another got, segment. So, Move to the next one. Yes, yeah, so let's go to the next petition here. This is the second petition for the funeral service. Grant that all who have been baptized into Christ's death and resurrection may die to sin and rise to newness of life and so pass with him through the gate of death and the grave to our joyful resurrection. Oh, we have uh, that one's just set up on a T right there. The same two themes we've been hammering on this whole service: uh, resurrection and baptism connected together. And uh, in a sense, this one kind of talks about uh, follow the leader. Yeah, uh, yep. Jesus has gone through death and resurrection, yep. so you don't have to be afraid. No, nope. uh, we're just going where he, our Lord and he pa- Savior he passed that road for us. Amen. For us. Amen. Okay, the third petition. Grant that all who have been nourished by the holy body and blood of your Son may be raised to immortality and incorruption, to be seated with him at your heavenly banquet. Yeah, right. We So we've done one sacrament. Now we get to the other, the Lord's Supper. And, uh, and it's a beautiful petition. And it's really, you notice, yeah, it is for the person who's in the, who's in the coffin, but it's really for everyone else. Uh, and we're praying that those who have taste of Christ's body and blood would be at the feast in heaven and uh, that this faith would endure. It, uh, it also is a confession that Christians who have been baptized into the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, they eat at the heavenly banquet yep. now while they are alive yep. as a foretaste of the feast to come in heaven. This is what Christians do. They eat and they drink. And uh, for uh, Christians who do not come to church very often, who in a sense are despising the means of grace, mm-hmm. word and sacrament, uh, this prayer is a prayer for them. Yes, it is. Yep. That... Uh, an encouragement, a wake-up call. Okay. Uh, the next petition. Give to the family. I've been using my name all the way through here. Give to the family of Clint and all who mourn comfort in their grief and a sure confidence in your loving care that, casting all their sorrow on you, they may know the consolation of your love. Yeah, so it's a prayer for the family, directly to the family. Uh, it's interesting. We kind of have narrowed our scope and we go to the actual family who's mourning that day, and we ask for God's comfort. Um, comfort in the midst of mourning. Yes. How would you summarize that in you know a few seconds? What oh, What is the comfort? Well, we grieve as though we do not grieve as those without hope. That's the best way I can put it from St. Paul's own lips. That uh, that we grieve. Yes, we grieve. Yes, we're sorrowful, but we grieve as those with hope who know where this person is. 
I like the fact that we're kind of funneling down. We started mm-hmm. out with the wider church, and we're getting more and more specific as mm-hmm. we go. The next petition, give courage and faith to the bereaved, that within the communion of your church, they may have strength to meet the days ahead in the assurance of a holy and certain hope and in the joyful expectation of eternal life with those they love who have departed in the faith. How else can you be comforted than at church? I mean, that's what church is for, uh, to prepare us for our own death and to comfort us uh, who mourn the death of loved ones. We seek comfort in a lot of different ways. This petition really focuses on the fact uh, you want to be comforted, be in church, mm-hmm. hear God's word, yep. receive God's gifts. And as you do this, God's gift of everlasting life is for you and all who cling to the word in faith. Mm-hmm. Um too often, I think, we give the impression that uh, uh, everybody who dies goes to heaven. And this petition is a reminder, only those who die in faith yes. will be in heaven. And if you want to see your loved one again, here's how. Yep. The next petition. Help us, we pray, in the midst of things we cannot understand, to believe and find comfort in the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Once again, the same encouragement. Be uh, be in church. Be in church. Hear God's word. May find your comfort there. And I like that little part uh, in the midst of things we cannot understand. That's certainly most appropriate when it's been a tragic death or something or a death of a child or something like that. But it can be appropriate anytime because uh, oh, how how can death come into this world? How can death intrude into my life? Give us comfort by going to church. I am often shocked, Pastor, and maybe you've had the similar experience, that many times when people have had a long time to prepare for death, mm-hmm. um, a lingering illness, uh, a very, very elderly family member, been talking about it and preparing for it and yep. talking about it and prepared for it, you would think if anybody is going to be prepared for the reality of death, it would be these folks. And yet these are some of the ones that are are distraught uh, more than any other. Um, a great a great witness to us that death is not natural nope. and you really can't prepare for no, it. No, you cannot. No, you cannot. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a I've been I was with the family once uh, as their as the dear one was getting ready to go and you know yet you can't sit there in tension the entire time so you're you're making little quiet jokes and that sort of thing and chatting and reminiscing and uh he almost he it took a long time before between breaths and they started breathing again and everyone kind of chuckled and, oh he's still holding on and so i thought oh well, i think that everyone's handling it pretty well but when he did stop breathing it wasn't you know weeping and wailing and uh, everyone going crazy but it hit at that moment. So everyone thought they were ready, but then when it actually did happen, it it, it hit it hits hard, no matter how much you've prepared. Let that let that be a warning for us all. Mm-hmm. The next petition. Receive our thanks for Clint and for all the blessings you bestowed on him in this earthly life. Bring us at last to our heavenly home that with him we may see you face to face in the joys of paradise. Yeah, that we it, it once again another petition kind of focusing the living that we would be where our departed is. And 
giving thanks to God for all the good that they were permitted to give and receive is a wonderful thing. Will I see my loved one in heaven? Yeah. Will I recognize my loved one in heaven? That petition teaches us that. Yep. Now, Pastor, is that is that a pipe dream, or does God's Word really I, teach I, that? Yes, we will recognize our loved ones in heaven. Now, we, we also need to be careful. The most important one we're going to be wanting to see in heaven is Jesus. Uh, but because of Jesus, because Jesus is there, all those who belong to Jesus are there. And, yeah, we'll be able to recognize them. We are also reminded of this in the communion liturgy. Yes. And uh, with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, all who have died in the faith. What a great and awesome wedding banquet, uh, the feast that God has prepared for us, and that is yours as a gift by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We're looking at the funeral service in Lutheran Service Book and funerals in general. This is At Home in Your Hymnal, Episode 8. We'll be right back after a short break. Welcome back to At Home in Your Hymnal. This is episode eight. We're looking at the funeral service. Pastor Marundi and Pastor Poppy are leading you through Lutheran service book, funeral service, page 278 and following. We want you to be at home in your hymnal when you go to church, when you're at home, and especially today as we discuss the funeral service so that you can be comforted by God's Word and give you some aid and encouragement in perhaps planning your own funeral service. We uh, we nearly completed all of the prayers in our last segment of episode 8. There is a uh, kind of a giant collect at the end that really summarizes all of the individual petitions in the prayer of the church, and I want to I want to share this, Pastor, and uh, get your get your commentary and reaction. O God of all grace, you sent your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, to bring life and immortality to light. We give you thanks that by His death, He destroyed the power of death, and by His resurrection. He opened the kingdom of heaven to all believers. Strengthen us in the confidence that because he lives, we shall live also. And that neither death, nor life, nor things present, nor things to come will be able to separate us from your love, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. 
Pastor, there are so many wonderful themes yeah. in this in this uh, petition. First of all, Jesus bringing life and immortality to light. Yeah, yeah. What is that? What is that teaching? Well, and, and Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness of the world. And when He shines the light, what does He shine the light on? Eternal life, life and immortality that uh, we will live forever. So the light of the world reveals this light of salvation, this eternal life that we have. We give you thanks that by his death, he destroyed the power of death. And by his resurrection, he opened the kingdom of heaven to all believers. Death and resurrection... One is his destruction. One is his opening, mm-hmm. or you know. So you have kind of like the alien work, or the yeah. uh, you know. So uh, comment on that. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it's always we always have to be careful. And this this uh, collect tries to uh, and does a good job of of being careful here. We never want to divide up the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And we certainly don't want to pit one against the other. No, never do. And so, uh, but this is kind of a good way to think of the death and resurrection of Jesus. In his death, he destroyed the power of death. And his resurrection, he opened the grave for all of us. And so, um, if, if Jesus is simply dead and never rises, well, then has he really conquered death? Well, no, of course he hasn't. He, uh, he's still dead. Um, on the other hand, you know, it's just logically impossible to have a resurrected Jesus when he hasn't died. So, <laughs> and uh, it would have to be fake or phony. Yeah, yeah it would have to be fake or phony. And a glorified Jesus without the cross uh, does us no good. And so both of them go together. This uh, this collect emphasizes the fact that apart from the death and resurrection of Jesus. There can be no true comfort. No, none. not ever, but especially at the time of yep. a loss. Strengthen us in the confidence that because he lives, we shall live also. Two things. First of all, confidence. Mm-hmm. And second of all, because he lives, we shall live also. Yep. Well, that's, that's really what this whole service should be. The readings, the hymns, the, the service itself, the preaching should all be geared towards confidence, giving confidence that this loved one that we care for and loved and and it was dear to us is now in the joys of heaven. And the confidence that we too will be there with them one day through faith in Jesus Christ. This prayer closes with a paraphrase of Romans chapter 8. Let's see here. That neither death nor life nor things present nor things to come will be able to separate us from your love, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, why Romans eight and why here? <laughs> well, Romans eight about half the half the best verses in the Bible are in Romans eight. It just seems like that's just an, an incredible chapter of Scripture. And uh, I've heard you say that about seventy five oh, other well, chapters yeah, too. You know, so, but, uh, but Romans eight is just incredible, and you just you you, you read it and you are like, oh. That that verse is in there too. I know that one. Oh, I know that one too. It's just it's just amazing, um, and it kind of reaches its its peak, its climax, its its pinnacle 
uh, with this declaration that nothing is able to take us away from Jesus. Nothing in this world can take away God's saints from him, those who are in Christ. And what a marvelous time to be reminded yes. of that particular passage in Romans 8. That, that concludes the general prayer, and immediately from the general prayer, we go into the Lord's Prayer. Yep. And there are a couple of times in our hymnal where this particular introduction to the Lord's Prayer is used. Taught by our Lord and trusting His promises, we are bold to pray. Yeah. Your thoughts on, on that particular introduction to the Lord's Prayer? Well, it, it, it connects in with what we just talked about, that confidence. Trusting His promises, we are bold to pray. So uh, what else should we do now but pray that prayer with boldness, with confidence? That's uh, straight out of the small catechism. And this is, this is something that we're doing together. Yes. We're doing this corporately uh, before the pastor is praying, and we're agreeing with him. Yep. Hear our prayer. Hear our prayer. Now, this is, this is something, yep. you know, we talked before about what the baptized do. They eat and drink. Mm -hmm. Well, not only do they eat and drink, they pray. They also pray. And what do we pray? We pray the Lord's Prayer. Uh, pastor, sometimes people accuse Christians of vain repetition mm -hmm. by repeating a memorized prayer over and over and over and over again. Um, how, it, well, I mean, and that is a, that is a warning. God's word warns us against mm -hmm. vain repetition. Yep. How does that not apply with regard to the way we pray the Lord's prayer individually and in our corporate worship well, it, it, it's the paragon of prayers it's the it's, it's the prayer and and all of our other prayers should flow from this prayer now that doesn't mean that the lord's prayer is the only prayer we should pray but it does mean that this is the perfect prayer and this is the prayer and every time christians come together why not pray the one that jesus gave us amen what uh, uh how would you answer this question pastor is the lord's prayer our prayer to God, making it a sacrificial action, or is the Lord's Prayer the Word of God that God gives to us, making it a sacramental action? <laughs> well, it, it, it's similar to the Psalms. Uh, these are unique prayers. Uh, any prayer that I come up with, it certainly should be based on God's Word, but it's, it's my Word uh, to God. Uh, no matter how beautiful it is, no matter how ancient it is, if it just if it comes from man, it's it's from man to God. This prayer and the prayers of the Psalms and other prayers in the Scriptures, they are unique in that they are both God's word to us, and then we speak them to God. So they they have both. It yeah. functions both ways. And uh, that that is a marvelous kind of an aha for a lot of people mm -hmm. when they realize that. We are uh, now on page 281 in Lutheran Service Book. We're looking at the funeral service here in episode 8 on At Home in Your Hymnal. And when I first saw the funeral service that had been put together in Lutheran Service Book, I immediately fell in love mm. with this particular yes. section. I yep. just think I think this is one of the most brilliant constructions of a liturgical piece that I've ever seen. Yeah, and I don't know what the history of it is, if they if it if it's new for this or if there's some roots to it, I have no idea. I have no idea either. Maybe we can dig into that. But uh what we have here is we have 
three sections of Scripture. And it is titled, this section is titled, The Nunc Dimittis, uh, The Song of Simeon. And it is bracketed, and this is the same song that we sing after we receive the Lord's Supper. Lord, now you let your servant go in peace, and so on. But it is bracketed by Jesus' words from John 11, 25 and 26. I am the resurrection and the life, says the Lord. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Now we have the song of Simeon. Mm Mm-hmm. Lord, now you let your servant go in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. My own eyes have seen the salvation which you have prepared in the sight of every people. A light to reveal you to the nations and the glory of your people Israel. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. And now again, even though we just heard those words just moments before, John 11. I am the resurrection and the life, says the Lord. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Now, on a very surface level, Pastor, the one that Simeon is talking about in Luke 2 is fulfilled in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Mm -hmm. We have that going on here. Mm -hmm. But it seems to me that maybe there's something bigger going on here as well. Your thoughts and reflections about this particular construction at this particular time in the funeral yeah, service. Yeah, it, it's uh it's really uh as you as you mentioned, it's really for me one of the high one of maybe the high point of the service. We've prayed, we've commanded this person to God, we've all prayed together. Now it's time to uh, really bring this thing uh to a close. And we do that really with kind of a microcosm of what worship is all about. So we hear God's word, the promise of Jesus that he gave first first to, I believe, Martha. I think this is to Martha. And uh, on his way to the grave of Lazarus, I am the resurrection and the life. And this beautiful statement of gospel promise proclaimed. And then what do we do? Well, what we always do when we hear God's word, we respond in praise and thanksgiving and prayer and we use the words that Simeon first gave us and so having heard this promise that Jesus is the resurrection of life you believes in me will never die then we say hey now I can go in peace Lord now you let your servant go in peace I I can go because my eyes have seen the salvation and what have our eyes seen well our eyes have seen in faith the resurrected Jesus. Our eyes have seen in faith. Uh, we do this after the Lord's Supper because we have we have seen the bread and the wine, which are His body and blood. Here we have we have seen we have heard the very great promises of God. Now we can go taste can and go. see that the Lord is good. Yeah. I remember when I was in uh, oh early years of high school, probably the first time I ever heard one of my contemporaries say it. Uh, one of my uh, teammates on the American Legion baseball team had gone to a Linda Ronstadt concert. Hmm. Okay. And he came back and said, I have seen Linda Ronstadt in person. 
Now I can die. <laughs> now I can die. Last year, uh, two years ago, I don't even know. I got my dates all mixed up here. But uh, when the Cubs miraculously oh, yeah. won a World yeah. Series. A couple of years ago now. Yeah, a couple yeah. years ago now. And uh, when the Cubs World World Series, I heard people talking all the time. I can die now. I can die. The Cubs have won a World Series yeah. in my lifetime. Blah, blah, blah. We make light of this. Yep. But this is no laughing matter. No. When we realize what Christ has done for us in his death and resurrection, we're ready. Yes. We're ready to die. Anytime, any I'm ready, Lord. Yep. I'm ready. And that's what that construction, we're sending the people. We're just almost at the very end of yep. the church service. Last little uh, concluding collect that I want to talk about here, Pastor. Lord God, our shepherd, you gather the lambs of your flock into the arms of your mercy and bring them home. Comfort us with the certain hope of the resurrection to everlasting life and a joyful reunion with those we love who have died in the faith. Comments on that prayer. Pastor. Yeah, well, we have this beautiful image of the shepherd again. And, of course, in a lot of funerals, you're going to hear Psalm 23. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Uh, this shepherding image and comfort us with the certain hope of the resurrection and then a joyful reunion. So all those themes are all coming in together there that we will see and be with those we love in heaven. They've been individually throughout the service. Now they're all brought yep. together. We have a closing hymn probably, and then we go to the gravesite. Yep. The committal service is uh, one of the most misunderstood parts of a funeral. When we come back in our last segment, we're going to take a look at that committal service. This is at home in your hymnal. Don't change that dial. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to At Home in Your Hymnal. This is Pastor Clint Poppy. Along with me is Pastor Christopher Morundi, pastors here at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. This program is designed to help us to be at home in our hymnals, uh, a theology of worship, a practical guide to worship in episodes seven and now in episode eight. We're looking at the funeral service, funerals in general, specifically the funeral service in LSB. Just as a reminder, you can always check out the archives of our program on our radio website, www.thecross957.org. Episodes seven and eight are completely dedicated to the funeral service. And here in the fourth segment of episode eight, we want to look at the committal service, the graveside service. In our hymnal, we have this direction when the funeral service is over. A hymn may be sung as the casket is led in procession out of the church. Okay, so the casket is led out of the mm -hmm. church. Where is it going to go? <laughs> well, it's going to go to the cemetery. It's going to go to the place where there will be a burial of the dead. Mm -hmm. Pastor, just a couple of words in general about what a committal service is mm -hmm. and what is the theological purpose of a committal service after the funeral service in church. Yeah, I, I, the committal, once again, it's a very special, specific service to uh, uh, 
to bless the grave, to uh, to sanctify the grave itself, the place where the body is going to be, and to and to bless the the body. It, it, we really kind of focus much more on the body of the deceased on the in the committal service, and preparing it and sanctifying it with prayer as we place it into the ground to await the resurrection of the dead. So it, it's 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 a service where we bathe the 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 last step, the last journey uh, with prayer. In a sense, it's our final goodbye mm-hmm. to the body of our loved one. Um, I'm not sure about the, the theological import of this next sentence I'm going to make, but, uh, Pastor, is, uh, is there some kind of closure going on with regard to the committal service? There should be. There should be. Well, I mean, quite literally. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're putting the body into the ground and putting the earth on top. And uh, so, yeah, that, that it does kind of bring everything to a nice close. That's why uh, often a family that, that chooses to uh, divide the funeral and the committal uh, by weeks, sometimes months, uh, is, yeah, I mean, it may sound fine for convenience purposes, but it really, uh, it, it really can cause some problems emotionally. It is, uh, it is difficult because you're going through the whole thing uh twice yep. sometimes um feelings and emotions that you thought were healed are now brought to the fore yep. again and most of my experience has been with having the funeral service and then having the committal service afterwards mm-hmm. it's a it's a short service it's a service of prayers and bible readings it fixes our eyes on uh, the burial of the body, but the hope and the promises that God gives us in the resurrection of the flesh. Uh, I think sometimes Lutherans are guilty of the fact that we don't talk about or emphasize the resurrection of the body, the resurrection of the flesh, the last days. Those end times hymns in our mm-hmm. hymnal mm-hmm. are the least known and least favorite of any of them in the hymnal, yep. and it's our fault because we avoid them like the plague. So we get to the gravesite, and we have a series of readings here at Good Shepherd, where we're privileged to have two pastors. We tag team mm-hmm. this. Um, you know, I I've always felt that it's important, whenever possible, for the pastors of the church, however many pastors you have, mm-hmm. to be present at the burial of one of our members. Mm-hmm. And so I've I've never ever thought that. Um, and, and sometimes it happens with vacations or illnesses or mm-hmm. things like that. But um, the, the one who delivered the goods, word and sacrament, uh, during that individual's lifetime should be the one who is leading the service saying goodbye. Yeah. We've got several Bible passages that uh, kind of serve almost as an introduction And then we have a prayer for the blessing of the grave. Now, there's two options in the agenda. One is if the if the grave has already been blessed and one is if it's not. Basically, we're talking about are you in a church cemetery or are you not in a church cemetery? So the prayer that most of the time we pray, O Lord Jesus Christ, by your three day rest in the tomb, you hallowed the graves of all who believe in you promising resurrection to our mortal bodies. Bless this grave, that the body of our brother may sleep here in peace until you awaken him to glory, when he will see you face to face and know the splendor of the eternal God. 
for you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Pastor, thoughts on that particular prayer? Yeah, uh, everything, as St. Paul says, should be sanctified with the Word of God and with prayer. And uh, uh, if you skip this prayer, does that mean that now they're not going to rise again on the last day or something like that? No, no. But, But... a, a grave of a believer, it is quite proper to bless that grave and set it aside as this is a place where a beloved believer dwells. And on the last day, he or she will be called forth uh, uh, from that grave to live before Christ forever. I have, I have seen two extremes with regard to how people treat the graves, the final resting places of their loved ones. Mm -hmm. On the one end is they treat it like a shrine. They treat it like it is some sort of portal or channel where they can go to the graveside Mm -hmm. and and have these conversations with their loved one. And in the other ditch, on the other side, is the attitude that, uh, well, they're dead and they're buried, and that's a nothing now. Yep. So the final resting yep. place, the grave, uh, is completely ignored. It is completely forgotten. It is completely overrun with weeds. Yep. How do we avoid both of those extremes, Pastor, and come to a right Christian proper understanding of that site, that specific place where our loved one is buried well if we didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead we could just kind of leave it and uh yeah we could come to it every once in a while if we wanted to but it, it's it's it, it is a nothing if there's no resurrection of the dead but this is the grave that's going to be opened up on the last day this is when they're going to come forth so it's quite proper to go there and remember um but on the other hand yes i've seen them become you know very elaborate shrines and, uh, you know, putting things on them. I was at uh, 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 Buffalo Bill, not Buffalo Bill, Wild Bill Hickok's grave uh, in Deadwood, South Dakota. And, of course, people got cans of beer on there and all sorts of little trinkets and that sort of thing. Um, it, it, You know, when you don't have the real sacraments, when you don't have the real religion, you make up your own. And so a kind of a paganism arises around it. A lot of Christians participate in it. Um, so yes, we, we hallow the grave. We respect the grave. We go to the grave. We make sure the grave is nice as, as a tribute to our loved one. Um, uh, but we don't, we don't make it. So, <laughs> I mean, we make fun of the, the Egyptian uh, pharaohs who put all this stuff in their in their pyramids and think they could take it to the next life and then we go out and put a whole bunch of uh, trinkets out at our loved ones graves and or, so or spend tens of thousands of dollars making a pilgrimage to graceland yeah yes. or to seattle <laughs> to see the grave yeah. of kurt cobain yeah, yeah um like that. so yep. so we we play we play these games too you know it is it is appropriate to go to grant's tomb yeah. or or uh the the final resting place and remember yeah. and to give thanks to god for the great witness for the memories all these things but dear friends uh our loved ones are with our lord and savior jesus in heaven they are not Uh, being preoccupied with the mundane things that we are going through day to day. Um, We struggle. They in glory glory shine that great hymn. And uh, we need to, we need to uh, take some time and tear that hymn apart and look at the individual verses because they are awesome. Um, 
after the grave has been blessed, we we have uh, up to four Bible passages that all beautifully, beautifully mm-hmm. uh, teach and proclaim the uh, resurrection of the flesh from the grave. And if for some reason distance or time separates the committal service from the regular funeral sermon, this is the place for yep. the second sermon, sermon. Yep. right here. And then you would also uh, confess the Apostles' Creed again. I want to get to the actual committal part. So we're now to the part where the pastor is standing by the gra- uh, standing by the coffin uh, of the uh, of the loved one. And it says, we now commit the body of our brother Clint to the ground. Earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, in the sure and certain hope of the resurrection to eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ, who will change our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subdue all things to himself. Pastor, that committal statement, it's one, I've, I've said it so many times, and mm-hmm. I know you have as well, uh, it is etched in my memory. Yes. I can say it by yep. heart. Yep. It is a bold proclamation of the gospel. Yes. How? Well, it, it directs us to what Jesus is going to do on the last day with this body that we're putting into the ground, that he will take them up and we're going to follow him once again. We're going to follow him. We're going to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subdue all things to himself. So with the body of our of our loved one goes into the earth where it came, uh, just as uh, God promised back in Genesis chapter 3. But... We do that in the sure and certain hope that there will be resurrection. Sure and certain hope. Those words from uh, Hebrews chapter 11, mm-hmm. uh, that's what faith is. Yes, it is. A sure and certain hope. And then the final words that the pastor says uh, over the casket before he prays the Lord's Prayer once again. May God the Father who created this body. May God the Son who by his blood redeemed this body. May God the Holy Spirit, who by holy baptism sanctified this body to be his temple, keep these remains to the day of the resurrection of all flesh. Pastor, here we have the Holy Trinity. Mm-hmm. Here we have holy baptism. Here we have the bloody death and glorious resurrection of Jesus. All of this coming together. We have the work of the Holy Spirit in sanctification, the the person's body as a temple of the Lord. We talked in episode 7, segment 1, about the importance of the body. We're We're coming full circle here now. Keep these remains to the day of the resurrection of all flesh. What is such a big deal about the remains of a loved one, Pastor? Because they're going to be raised up again. This body is not abandoned. It's not uh, left behind as, uh, un- as no longer used, as a, as a nothing. This is the very same body, the very same remains that Christ is going to raise up on the last day. So uh, these are holy remains. That's the word I was, I was looking for and hoping you would say. We have been sanctified. We have been holied 
not only by the fact that God created us, but the fact that God put his name on us in the waters of holy baptism, delivering Jesus, Good Friday and Easter, to us. We've been fed the very body and blood of Jesus, pumping in our veins. If you eat and drink my flesh, I will raise you up on the last day. This is the sure and certain hope of a Christian. My friends, this is your sure and certain hope. We pray that God would bless you as you think about your own mortality, as you perhaps plan your own funeral, and as you enter God's house to say goodbye to a loved one. May your comfort and your peace be in the resurrected Jesus Christ for you. For Pastor Christopher Morundi, I am Pastor Clint Poppy. This is At Home in Your Hymnal. Thank you for tuning in. Bye now.